Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. from LA. I'm also a baseball writer with MajorLeagueFantasySports.com and I host two shows over there for MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. The first is Major League Fantasy Baseball Weekly, which you can catch on Thursdays, and the other is Major League Fantasy Football Weekly, which will be starting up in June, I believe the 4th of June, which is a Saturday. And speaking of that show, I'm joined here by my co-host of that show and a, a man who's also a writer with MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. His articles come out every Thursday. His name is Mr. Zach Sauer. So welcome to the show, co-host Zach Sauer. How you doing, man? I am doing wonderful, per usual. Um, you know, excited that the football season's right around the corner. You know, we just had the draft and we get to see what our teams uh, added to their rosters. Unfortunately, uh, my hometown team, Buffalo Bills, our first-round uh, pick and check loss and is having shoulder surgery. Add that on top of Sammy Watkins' broken foot, and uh, we just have a mess of uh, first-round picks. Not as bad as the as my second team in the Jacksonville Jaguars, who um, pretty much have lost their last two years' first-round pick to torn knee ligaments during OTAs, which is pretty awful uh, when you think about it, especially for the team and for the for the kids themselves not even um, getting a shot to play in their first year. We'll see about Jalen Ramsey, but aside from all that, uh, excited to be on today's show. We'll divulge into some of the uh, sports topics from the past week and going forward. So let's get uh, right into it here, pal. Yeah, absolutely, bro. And um, we got to talk about two pretty good-looking NBA playoff series right now. We get to recap some MLB weekend series, uh, talk a little bit about the return of Hugh Darvish this weekend, and Jackie Bradley Jr. still at it, man. He's got uh, 28 now, I think, 28 game hit streak now. So let's talk a little bit about that, too. We'll be taking live callers, so you can reach us at 516 387 1306 and press 1 to enter the show. I do want to take this quick opportunity to thank our partners at R&B Music and Major League Fantasy Sports. Uh, aside from my two shows on Thursday and Saturday, you can also tune in to the Major League Fantasy Baseball show every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, Zach, let's talk about Jackie Bradley Jr. first. And then we'll talk a little bit about Darvish before we get into this NBA action. And, I mean, we talked about him last week. Um, I don't know, were, 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 you, were you thinking you'd be talking about him again this week under the same, uh, I mean, in the same context that he'd still be on this hit streak? Or were you thinking that it'd be over by, by now? Mm, that's, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to say the only reason I thought it was over, would be over, is because um, – after about, you know, maybe 23 or 24 games into the hit streak, I finally decided to uh, play him in daily. And usually when I play a player that's 
hot and daily that uh, that game he goes like 0 for 4. So um, I played Bradley a couple days ago, and I'm like, well, his hit streak's going to end because I'm, I'm playing him. Um, but he got a hit, and he, he continued. And, yeah, he's, he's just on a tear right now. Um, you know, next he's going to be chasing down DiMaggio for the Red Sox hit streak, which is at 34 games. Um, but throughout his hit streak, he has an average, uh, I believe, 50 points higher than DiMaggio's 34-game hit streak. Bradley's uh, average right now is at a 402, um, where DiMaggio's uh, was hovering around like a 350. So uh, just to put into context how much of a role he is on, he's not just uh, walking into a game and getting a bloop single. This guy's uh, amassing RBIs, hitting for power, hitting for extra base hits. Um, it's just tremendous uh, what what role this guy is on right now. Oh, yeah, 100%. I was joking last night. Um, I don't know if he's going to be stopped until either he messes up against a really tough lefty like Chris Dale or Quintana or something in the American League. Um, and then, secondly, um, maybe if the Red Sox and the Yankees play again before the history could be completed, like before he could beat the Marshall, the Yankees would just walk him out of spite. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Um, because they don't want a Red That's Sox a- to beat uh, – a Yankee so record. I was joking last then? night too. Uh, sorry. Does that count then? If if the team walks him, say five times, that ends the hit streak then. If he, you know, yeah. doesn't have a okay. Even if he's zero for zero, even if he's zero for zero in at the plate, if he played a game and didn't, didn't record a hit, the streak's over. Wow, um, I, I'm surprised. And I was just joking, so joking yesterday that it's like yeah. I don't know if I'll be able to ever watch baseball again if a Red Sox player beats DiMaggio's. Yankee record, like that, like it could right. be worse. Like it's one thing if the record gets broken, I wouldn't be happy to begin with. But if it's a Red Sox, like come on, um, right? Just, just not, not cool, man. Not cool. So yeah, I'm as, right. as great as it is and as magical as of a run it's just been. I don't really want to see it get past you know thirty seven, <laughs> thirty eight. Um, just, just cause, and I'd be happy if he started a brand new one again, like. Good for him. And, and, if, right. and, and if anyone's going to break DiMaggio's record, it's going to be a Red Sox. At least I hope it's Xander Bogart because I own him in, in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, or Big know. Poppy just, <laughs> uh, you know, having uh, an unprecedented season as well um, at 40 years of age, but kind of being overshadowed by what Bradley is doing. But uh, Ortiz is on a, a pace to have his best, his best year at the plate, and he's 40 years old. It's insane. Well, as crazy as it sounds, this might be the best lineup around him that he's ever had. Um, right. Enough in the length True. of the years with Man Ram and when Pedroia was in his prime and everything, but this is a really deep lineup. And yeah. it's interesting because it's it do, it, they're very similar to what the Blue Jays were doing last year, but the Blue Jays did it with three or four hitters. The Red Sox yeah. are doing it with an entire lineup, right. one through nine. And um, the Blue scary. Jays were like power, you know, masters with those four, whereas Boston right now is uh, almost taking a, a Kansas City-like approach with guys like Mookie Betts and, and Bogarts and Petroya at the top, you know, kind of guys that can hit for power but can also hit for average. And then um, guys like uh, Ortiz and Travis Shaw, uh, Bradley, who is not really a, a straight power hitter but is – had a, a power surge in his uh, streak here, so they're doing it with. Yeah, he's certainly quite been the, looking like one. Yeah, quite the assemblance of the lineup. You're right. They're they're uh, really, really mashing right now. I can't stand it, but I mean, well, I was what just going to say do? you probably hate talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate <laughs> talking about it. I just, I just wish it was any other team except for them. Like it, right. it's not like I'm like I'm not longing for it to be the Yankees. I just wish it was anyone but the Red Sox. Is all. Um, let's uh, let, let's let's get off this topic of conversation for now, because we'll be talking a little bit about the both Bo Sox and their uh, weekend series against the Indians a little later. But let's talk about you, Darvish, Texas Rangers pitcher who's missed the last year and a half or so because of Tommy John surgery, and he's making his big sorry his um, MLB debut or season debut, I should say, on Saturday for Texas. And 
What do you think this means for the Rangers and um, their, their pitching staff now that has Cole Hamels, who's really just been amazing since coming over last year at the deadline? I don't think he's lost a decision yet as a member of the Texas Rangers in Hamels. And Colby Lewis continues to pitch quite well, too, for Texas. Um, so adding a guy like Darvish, does this immediately, you think, make them a con- um, so the contender in the NL West, sorry, in the AL West, or are you thinking that maybe Darvish has a little bit of struggles and takes a little bit of time to really find his way again after not pitching in the big leagues for a while? Well, there's there's a couple moving parts here that um, for the Rangers that I think um, his return, uh, whether it goes badly or it goes really well, which I'm um, thinking the latter is going to happen. Uh, if it were to get off to a rocky start, though, they're they're second in the in the West right now, behind the Mariners by a half a game. Um, so they have some breathing room, you know, above some of the other teams. Uh, Houston's sitting in fifth right now, which is just really odd when you think about um, some of the players that they have. Uh, but, you know, with Hamels at the top being uh, the main cog uh, with Darvish out, and then, like you said, Colby Lewis, who's 3-0, um, who just got a win over uh, this past week against Houston. Um, and then you got a uh, young gun like Lance McCullers, who uh, just recently came off the DL um, and had a really good start this week as well. Uh, or that's for Houston, I'm sorry. Um Ramos had a, a pitched a really good game. Uh, who's a young gun for for uh, Texas? Who may not be up in the rotation now with use return, but uh, lo and behold, I'm just saying their their pitching staff has been very solid without Darvish. Um, but now we we get to see Darvish back. He hasn't pitched since August 9th, uh, 2014. Um, but over his five starts uh, in rehab. His, for his rehab games, he's gone 20 innings, um, 21 Ks, he's only walked six, and only given up two earned runs. So he looks like he's uh, firing on all cylinders right now. And granted, it's not against major league competition, um, but his stuff is nasty. He's got a nasty arsenal. We've seen it before. Um, the guy's K per nine is uh, above a batter in the inning, um, and he's shown that throughout his rehab start. So I think he's going to come right back. Um, to the majors and, and be a dominant force like he was in the past. And maybe it takes him a start or two to get there. Um, but all signs are, are pointing upwards for Darvish and this Texas ball club, who, like I said, is only sitting a half a game behind Seattle. Um, and I think Texas's overall lineup is better than uh, Seattle's overall lineup um, with Nelly Cruz and, and Cano. Um, but I think one through nine, uh, the Rangers have uh, a lot better lineup with, um, you know, Odor at the top and Desmond, who's really turned it around. Uh, Fielder, who's pretty much been in the slump all season, but we know what kind of a hitter he is. And um, I don't think he's just falling off the cliff uh, to no avail. I think he's just having a tough start to the season. I think he'll turn it around somewhat. We know who Beltre is, who's uh, a force. Uh, hitting against lefties or righties, um, and then Mazzara, their call-up, uh, the return of Sinsu Chu. So I think this Texas team, when all said and done, is going to finish first in the West. Yeah, I like Seattle uh, personally, but not. I, I'm not saying I like them to win. I'm, I like them the best um, in that division, and I'd like to see them win, but I I have to agree, Texas definitely has the most talent there, especially with Darvish. Seattle made a lot of improvements to their lineup this year, and it's definitely better than it was in previous seasons, but it just can't compare to Texas 1 through 9. And, you know, when you have a guy like Mitch Moreland who really could hit, like, you know, 275, 20 home runs, 75, 80 RPIs, he might hit 7 or 8 in your lineup potentially on any given day. Um, that's that's really going to make a big, big difference. Seattle's just not that deep. 
Um, the Angels and A's certainly are not. I mean, those, those lineups are terrible outside of a couple players. And Houston's just not putting it together. Even if they hit a little bit, their pitching staff is just atrocious. And we'll talk about that, too, because we'll talk about that series as well a little bit. Um, let's, uh, let's go over to some NBA action before we do the uh, MLB weekend series, though. And so far, it looks like um, the Raptors and Cavs are um, pretty much doing exactly what we thought they were going to do. Cleveland whooped ass at home. Toronto came out with a lot of energy being down 2 nothing to win game three. Game four goes tonight, and uh, Cleveland can pretty much end the series with a win here tonight in Toronto. Uh, if they go 3-1, going home for game five, the series is over in five. Uh, Raptors somehow win again at home. Anything's possible. Uh, what are your thoughts on this series, Zach? Apparently, Valanciunas is questionable to return tonight. At one point, he was doubtful. Now it is questionable um, talk to me about what you think is going to happen in this game tonight with Valanciunas and then without Valanciunas, or if it even makes a difference at all. I I don't really think it makes a difference, only because how well Bismack Diambo has been playing for the Raptors. Um, it's, I'm hard-pressed to believe uh, that they would put both of those big guys out uh, at the, on the court at the same time. Um, so I think even with his return, maybe uh, it would even be a detriment to Toronto um, because uh, how well Biombo's been playing, like I said. Um, and, you know, they came out in one game three, uh, but it's kind of the perfect storm like we talked about on last week's show. Um, DeRozan and Lowry had had to play, you know, at least an A-minus game, both of them, and uh one of the big three for Cleveland has to struggle mightily. And uh, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving struggled mightily in this game. Um, and DeRozan and Lowry had great games. So I don't envision that happening again where two of the big three for Cleveland is ice cold. Um, and Lowry and DeRozan are both uh, on fire. Uh, DeRozan was getting to any spot he wanted on the court. Um, they weren't sending double teams or putting LeBron on, LeBron on him at all. I think Tyron Lue will make an adjustment here and either do one of the two or both. Um, send double teams his way in the first half and then maybe put LeBron on him in the second half um, so he can't get to those spots on the court where he's comfortable. And uh, Kevin Love went one for nine and Kyrie Irving went three for 19. Um, Kyrie's not going to have that bad of a game again. Um, neither is Kevin Love. And Biombo with the 26 rebounds, um, he played 39 minutes. Uh, so I, I kind of do feel like if Valanciunas does return, um, he's going to have some rust and it might actually hurt the Raptors. So maybe it would be uh, best for the Raptors to uh, make him a bench, bench player, maybe come off the bench and play 10 to 12 minutes um, maybe in the first or second game. But I think if they interject him as a starter, as he was, and limit uh, Bismack's numbers to where they were um, at the beginning of the playoffs, where he was just playing uh, 12, say, 14 minutes, I think um, it would be a a bad thing for Toronto to do. So it's going to be interesting um, to see when Valanciunas does come back uh, what they do with Bismack Biombo because he's really been the X factor in the series thus far. but in conclusion, like I said, I think uh, Cleveland comes out tonight and uh, really takes it to heart what what Toronto did to them, beating by 15. I think they come out, and uh, you'll see at one point the, the Cavaliers be up by 15, 20 points, and uh, the wind uh, get taken out of, of the Rogers Center, and uh, you'll see you'll see it in, in, in the Toronto uh, basketball club. Um, the wind being taken out of them as well. I think uh, LeBron asserts his dominance and gets his, his fellow big three to play up at a high level as well, and I think this uh, series goes in five here. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, unfortunately, i got to agree with you, man. Um, 
I'm happy that they won a game in Toronto. Um, I had a feeling they would be able to win at least one in Toronto. We were talking uh, last week. I said they're a much better team in Toronto than they are on the road. Um, they looked awful in Cleveland, though. And, um, you know, so uh, even even if they were to win all three games in this series in Toronto, which won't happen to begin with, they, they'll still lose the series because they just – Look way too overmatched in Cleveland, but yeah, I'm with you, man. I have a feeling they'll be down um, 15, even more points than that in the first half at some point. This would really never recover. Uh, that'll be the series. Let's go over something less depressing, though, as a Raptors fan, and talk a little bit about my uh, OKC Thunder and making me look like I know what I'm talking about when it comes to the NBA, huh? Um, taking it to the Warriors <laughs> last night and twice ready in this series. And for the first time, really, in about two years, Golden State's in a little bit of trouble, I think. They finally met their match. Uh, OKC with these two superstars of theirs and Duran and Westbrook just seem um, destined to, to win it all this year. And uh, Golden State looks a little fused, almost like, like, what is going on? Like, how do we even respond to something like this? We've never been in this situation. Um, what are your thoughts? Like, is OKC going to take this this series? And are you going to have to buy me a jersey when they win it all? Yeah, I mean, it's it's starting to shape up that way. But, I mean, you know, after the, the Warriors lost at home in game one, I really thought that, not that it was a fluke, but Golden State would come out for the rest of the series and really show out. And um, even if the Warriors or the um, the Thunder were to win another game, it wouldn't be by 20, uh, 28 points. You know, I thought maybe they'd squeeze one out by a late field goal or something of that matter. But I thought, you know, after that first loss, Golden State would really take its heart and uh, show them, show everyone why the, they held that such an illustrious record of 73 wins and just blowing any team out, whether it was the Spurs or the Cavaliers in the regular season. But, yeah, I mean, this uh, for this season, it's the first time they've faced um, this adversity. I thought after game one, the media really was blowing things out of proportion. Um, you know, everyone on ESPN or whatever channel you watch uh, – had Golden State winning the series in four or five, maybe six games. Um, and after they lost game one, it seemed the whole uh, media market just switched and was like, Golden State is done in this series. There's no way they can win this. And, you know, I was just thinking, this is the best team in the game. They lost one game and everyone's overreacting. But now it's maybe starting to come to fruition a little bit. The only thing that um, I'm holding on to for the Warriors is they went down two to nothing against the Cavaliers in the finals last year. Now, granted, that was against LeBron James and a bunch of JV talent players. Um, this is against two of the top five players in the NBA. Um, and then you look at Stephen Adams and Ennis Cantor, who have just been giving. Well, first they gave the Spurs nightmare. Um, and now they're really giving Golden State a problem. Um, and Draymond Green is a player that seems to get in, in opposition head, and it seems as if Stephen Adams is the one getting in Draymond Green's head, and you saw the the nut kick or whatever, and we'll see if there's any suspension handed down. But even aside from that, he's just the size of Adams has been giving Golden State a problem. Um, and if uh, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant continue to play at a high level. Uh, I think they do have a good shot at winning this series and then uh, playing Cleveland, who I think is uh, a lesser of a team in the finals. So they'll get an easier matchup in the finals if they if they make it. Um, but, yeah, Golden State uh, is facing something they haven't faced since the last year's NBA finals. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, how they respond, um, and I think if they lose Draymond Green for a game, this series could be over with. Yeah, well, that's that's a very good point. That's kind of what I was hearing yesterday. A lot of people are thinking that if Draymond is out at all, 
uh, Golden State's in a lot of trouble. I think they're in trouble even with Dr- Draymond. Right. Um, I think that OKC just kind of hit this stride in the postseason uh, where they're kind of turned into their own version of the Warriors. They've just they're that good. I mean, no one really thought they'd do what they did to San Antonio. They they kind of embarrassed the Spurs a little bit, I think, and it might be happening here again with the Warriors. So very interesting to see. And I'm not a believer that Steph Curry is even fully healthy still. They they might say that he is, but I I, I don't think so. I don't think Curry's at a hundred percent. And when I say a hundred percent, I don't think any player is at a hundred percent this late into the year. Uh, but you know what I mean. Like I don't think he's a hundred percent for like the playoffs, if that makes sense. Because um, I think we all know that when you've been playing seven or eight months of a season, you're never fully healthy. Um, I think OKC is going to win this in six. That's that's my thought. I think Cleveland in five and OKC in six, and then OKC uh, will take Cleveland out in six, five or six as well. Um, and anything else on these basketball a... games? And then you will be getting a. I said, and then you'll be getting a OKC Kevin Durant, or, or what's what's the jersey you get if they? If well, they see, I was just thinking about that, man, because if I don't want to get a Durant if Durant's just going to leave in free agency, right? So I might have to go, I might have to go with a Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Or, or go, you're kind go enough, like Stephen Adams. If you're kind enough to let me wait to see if Durant resigns in OKC, then I would get a Durant because yeah. I like Durant more. Yeah. So, of course, I'll I mean, let you wait, but maybe you should uh, feel like Stephen Adams or a player that no one has. Uh, go, yeah, uh, you, you would go think like Gary so. Payton. Maybe if I was an OKC fan, I would do that. Right. It would be cool. Like, sick like, mustache. When I used to get Raptors jerseys, I'd always go after the guy that people didn't really have. Right. Like, I'd yeah, get, like, Jose Calderon or, like, Jimmy – or, like, uh, Joey Graham. Not Jimmy Graham. Joey Graham or, like – Bill and the Wave, right. you know, like random players like that. Definitely. Just get like a uh, Gary Payton Supersonics jersey. Since they're, yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's all the same. Yeah. I actually have, you know, I have a Michael Jordan um, Washington Wizards, Wizards jersey. <laughs> I think so. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty dope. Yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I have one, one of those. It's, oh, it's man, pretty, pretty dope. Um. Anything else on these NBA series? Anything else on the NBA at all? Are you are, no, are you titles, Zach? What? Like, do you follow um, the ATP, like the uh, the tennis? No. Are Are you a tennis fan? Okay, yeah, because the French no. Open started uh, this past weekend. Maybe uh, maybe next week I'll do a little tennis recap for everybody. We'll see, because yeah, I'm, I'm kind go. of a tennis guy. I'm kind of a I'll tennis watch some, guy. I'll watch some women's tennis and just do that. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, you know what, man? The women's tennis is just as competitive as as the men. Yeah. It's quite good, especially as you get later oh, yeah. later in the tur- tournaments. Uh, first right. round, I'm not really so into, even yeah. the men's. But as, as it gets into even the round of 16... Uh, or even before that, it's usually very good tennis. And yeah. Roger Federer, gonna, who um, I'm not gonna, everyone knows who Roger Federer is. I'm not going to lie uh, about it. He's in tournament. You know, I've uh, when I go to sleep every night, I, I'm always falling asleep to ESPN, Sports Center, what have you. And uh, you know, if I wake up for some ungodly reason before noon. Um, you know, and say it, it's during uh, the tennis season and they have one of the tourna- tournament time, you know, early in the morning since, you know, a lot of the times it's it's overseas, so they play it early in the morning. You know, I wake up and, yeah, if it is one of those later round matchups where you get a number two and a number, you know, two top ten players, those matches are, are really, really enjoyable to watch. And I taught myself um, not changing the channel or, you know, getting hooked on a match and uh, delaying the start to my day because I'm watching uh, Serena Williams versus uh, Kova or someone else, you know, and they're they're definitely fun to watch when they're good good matchups. 
Definitely, and uh, a lot of tennis fans will be missing Roger Federer this yeah. uh, this Open. It's the first time he's never played in the French Open before, um, and there's a lot of talk about whether or not he's going to ever be able to win a Grand Slam tournament again. And personally, I don't see it happening. Um, you just can't beat Djokovic, who's the number one player in the world for for, for the men. Uh, so even if he, you know, even if he's able to get to a final, he's going to have to meet Djokovic, and he just he just can't beat him. He's uh, I think he's he's past that point is in his career where he's able to go to the, those deep four or five set matches, Federer, and, uh, and by the time he hits that third or fourth set, he's overmatched. And hasn't Murray really stepped up? You know, after finally winning in his. Um, in his home country, uh, he's really turned the corner. Murray has stepped up. Murray has stepped up. But he's overcome falling back. He's fallen back a little, a little bit too, Murray. It's all about Djokovic now, man. Joke. Guys, easily Joke, the best, Joke. the best, uh, the best, no, the best male player in the world for sure. Um, no one else really stands a chance. But let's uh, let's talk some let's talk some baseball. Uh, all how, right. How about that sport? Um, and first, I want to talk about the Red Sox and the Indians. And we talked a little bit about this Red Sox lineup earlier already and how lethal they are. Um, Cleveland, interesting ball club. Arguably are missing two of their three best players, though, in Branley and Carrasco. Uh, Carrasco is arguably better than Kluber, in my opinion, arguably their best pitcher all around and Bradley easily their best their best hitter and defender in the outfield. So with Cleveland moving forward, we know that Boston's a better team than they are. They're a little overmatched against the Red Sox. They lost two of three in this series. With Cleveland moving forward, do you think they can compete in this division? I believe they're facing off against the White Sox this week, uh, number one and two in that AL Central division. So do you think Cleveland can stick around even without those two superstar caliber players in their lineups, or do you think they're going to fade away a little bit and maybe open the door for a team like Detroit or KC to get right back into this division race? I think they can stick around in the the race, um, but I don't think they have a shot to overtake um, Chicago right now, who's although has been – kind of slumping as of late. I think, uh, you know, just with Sal and Quintana, who have been pitching, uh, like, Cy Young caliber pitchers, um, and then with the loss of Carrasco, who, um, you know, for Major League Fantasy Sports, I write about the Central Divisions. Um, the loss of Carrasco was huge. He was the, the guy I picked to win the AL Cy Young, um, and I thought he was their best pitcher. Uh now, moving forward, uh, I also wrote about how Danny Salazar, at the end of the season, it wouldn't have surprised me if he ended up being um, their number one pitcher. And they really have three aces in their, uh, um, in their uh, pitching staff. Salazar but, looks real bad yesterday, though. Yeah. Um, he, he, I guess the Red Sox are making everything bad. Right. Um, but he, he had the propensity to do that through uh, – two innings he had already thrown 70 pitches. Um, and that's the problem with him is uh, his command sometimes. He can lose control, although, you know, he could strike out uh, a guy per inning easily. He also uh, can walk a guy or two every inning if his command is not there. Um, and a team like Boston, uh, if you give guys free passes, they're going to make you pay. Uh, so I think Cleveland can stick around. Uh but it's going to depend a lot on the health of uh, Michael Brantley. If the shoulder injury continues to linger and he, he has a couple DL stints, then um, I don't think their lineup has enough uh, power in it. Not necessarily home run power, but power just being the adjective to Ex- describe the team. power, yeah. high average. Um, I, don't, I don't think they have enough. Too. I don't think they have enough without Brantley. Um, if he has to miss a lot of time. So I think, you know, if he does miss a lot of time, then maybe a team like Kansas City or Detroit turns it around um, can maybe vouch for that second second place in the central uh, division. But I think it's the White Sox um, division. I'm, we'll talk about that in a little bit. 
Yeah, we will, um, because, in fact, we'll go over to it right now. Let's talk KC, let's talk Chicago, and uh, two, I believe it was a three-game set. Correct me if I'm wrong, KC took two of three. Um, Big series for KC, and the White Sox and Indians have both been kind of struggling a little bit, and that's kind of why I brought that up, because I believe there's four games or four and a half games that separates team one through four in that division. Um, and Detroit really has not even been playing good baseball this year at all. Uh, besides Zimmerman in the rotation and some hot streaks here or there from Miggy and Victor, um, J.D. Martinez has not been, like, incredible, and neither is Upton, uh, Justin Upton, who they gave a very lucrative uh, free agent contract to. So I don't even think we've seen the best out of this Tigers team yet either. Um, so, I mean, there's there's four teams that could easily win this division. The White Sox uh, offense has started to come back down to uh, reality a little bit. They've been struggling um, somewhat. And now that we don't know if we're going to continue to see success from Matt Latos anymore, as good as Sale and Quintana are, um, if Rodon is Rodon his first win, I believe, in the last six starts yesterday. So he hadn't been going too well either, and he's very inconsistent. He's got the stuff, but I don't know if he's really that top-caliber pitcher-type uh, guy yet. And then with Latos and Miguel Gonzalez, I mean, there's some question marks in this rotation. And their bullpen outside of David Robertson was great in April, but it's been very, very, very shitty in May. Um so that's another thing to worry about if I'm the White Sox. Um, you know, I think they match up with Cleveland this week, and uh, that's going to be quite the series, Indians and White Sox. The intra-division series, big rivalries, and uh, we'll have to see if one of these teams can kind of take claim on that spot. Your thoughts, Zach? Well, yes, certainly. Um, and I think um, – you know, the White Sox kind of have the upper hand in this series because Cleveland, um, in two of those games, is going to be throwing out Clevenger, who just made his MLB debut with the Indians, um, and Cody Anderson, who is just not good at all. Um, so I think the White Sox can win two of those games easily. Uh, but reverting to kind of what you were talking about, just in the Central Division, um, Four four and a half games is what separates the Tigers, who are in fourth, um, from the White Sox, who are in first. Uh, in the last ten games, the White Sox have been three and seven, um, while the Indians, Royals, and Tigers have all gone six and four through their last ten games. So things are trending upward for all three of those teams, while the White Sox are going um, down. And an interesting thing I just thought of as you brought up Rodon, is come playoff time, um, if the White Sox find themselves in a series um, with a good hitting team, uh, when you think about Sal Quintana and Rodon, they're all left-handed. And I would say pretty much 80% of uh, MLB hitters um, on good teams, especially, like, look at the Tigers. It's pretty much everybody is right-handed. So a lot of... Or even, good hitting. even even Victor Martinez is a switch hitter, yeah. He's a switch hitter, yeah. So when you look at uh, a lot of these good hitting teams that are going to be in the playoffs, Blue Jays, all righties besides maybe Saunders, um, you know. So and you know like the the Yankees maybe the top two hitters, but then you got switch hitters and Beltran, um, Teixeira. So there's, I I wonder how they're going to fare in the playoffs if. You know, you're facing off with teams who are heavily right-handed. But, you know, the Royals have been playing a little bit better as of late. Uh, Lorenzo Cain, since the start of the season where he was sitting below 220, now has the average up to 277. Um, He's been hitting for power and nothing like that uh, player he was last year. They also Um, got the stock back. The stock is back, yeah. So they're they're gonna play better. Uh, Morales was horrible to begin this year, this season as well. Yeah, he's gonna get better. He under, isn't he under two hundred still, Kendrick Morales? Yeah, he, yes, I believe he is. But uh, that's a I think you know, right, right now. That's he will he will turn it around as well. So uh, I think 
Cleveland's going to be looking behind their shoulder, it seems like. Detroit, who's been playing awful, as we talked about, but uh, Verlander has been pitching really well as of lately. Zimmerman is, is going to be Zimmerman. Uh, he's just going to eat up innings for you. He's never going to dominate a team, but uh, he'll take you deep into games. And Fulmer has been uh, really good his last two or three starts. I, I know he just had an 11K game, um, so he's been looking good as of late. And we know what their lineup can do. I mean, it's sad to say that Melvin or B.J. Upton, however you want to call him, has played better than Justin at the moment. But uh, I think he'll turn it around. And then, you know, you look at Kinsler, J.D., Richter, Miguel, uh, Castellanos. Um, Cameron uh, Mabin, man. Good... How about Cameron Mabin? He's been amazing since yeah, joining. Since coming uh, back. Yeah, so um, They have a really Guys, good lineup. He's been like 700. <laughs> yeah. It's been amazing. Stealing bags. So, yeah, they have a really good lineup. Cleveland will be looking over their shoulder. The loss of Carrasco is huge. Kluber's Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, if they don't have Brantley, they'll they'll quickly find themselves falling in the standings, I believe. Yeah, I think the Indians are um, – when the Indians are fully healthy, I, I like them to win that division. But the way they are right now, I like them as a third or fourth place ball club. And uh, – it's sad to say, you know, it's sad that two players can make that much of a difference, but especially when you're a small market team like the Indians, that really does. If you lose an ace caliber pitcher and an all-star caliber outfielder, uh, you're in trouble. Some teams can recover. I don't think they can. Let's, uh, let's go over to a National League series now before we get back to some American League games. And, Two of the um, better teams, I would say, in the National League this year, the Cubbies and the Giants. And two teams I expect to be playing in October, and one of them will probably be playing for the World Series as the uh, winners of the National League. It's an even year for the Giants. We know how good the Cubs are. And the Giants took 2-3 in this series. And the rubber match, of course, went to the Giants last night. Matt and Bumgarner, eight shutout innings. Uh, one nothing San Francisco Giants win in that game. And what are your thoughts on this series? And do you think the Giants are going to start to maybe pull away a little bit in this division? I know you like. I know you're a bit of a Dodgers guy, Zach, and I live in LA, so I kind of like them too. And I thought there would be some good things coming out of uh, the D-backs this year. Uh, obviously, before AJ Pollock went down and before Shelby Miller started to suck. Um, but this Giants, the Giants team, they're one through three starters as good as anybody's in baseball. Uh, very, very good, solid lineup. And if they start to get any form of pitching from PV and Kane in the back end of that rotation, they're going to be a really tough team all season long. Yeah, and we saw um, during this series, Matt Kane get a win. Uh, I believe he won seven innings with five or six Ks. Um, and he was going up against Lester. Now, granted, the pitcher doesn't pitch necessarily against the pitcher. Um, that's kind of how we look at, especially if you're, you're uh, you know, a fantasy player. That's kind of how we look at things sometimes. Um, and you know, we went up against John Lester, uh, who has been uh, behind Jake Arrieta. Um, you know, maybe overshadowed by Arrieta at times, but has pitched really, really well this season. Um, he only was able to last two and two-thirds inning, giving up five runs to this San Francisco team. Um, you know, Arietta dominated game one in this series. Cubs won eight to one. Um, Hayward made an amazing catch, but also injured himself um, at the same time. Um, and then last night's game, like you talked about, Bumgarner pitched a gem and also got the RBI double that scored the only run in the game. So uh seems monotonous to say it, but Bumgarner at times is this whole San Francisco team. Um, we saw it against the duel with Clayton Kershaw where he outpitched him and then hit a home run off of him earlier in the season. Just seems like Bumgarner, you know, pitches and then hits and wins games uh, all around. And it's just amazing to see oh, man. this guy. Um, it's funny because yesterday in the Dodgers game, I mean, they went whatever, like, 15, 16 innings, and they started uh, hitting Clayton Kershaw and um, other pitchers uh, just to hit. 
they didn't even pitch. Um, so that was funny to see. It's just cool to see that sometimes this teams unload everything they have. But I think San Francisco will pull away from the rest of this division. They're already four games above the Rockies. Um, <clears throat> I think the Dodgers will um, skip the Rockies and, you know, finish second place in this division. But, uh, you know, they have Kershaw and then Maeda, who since his really hot start has kind of slowed down a bit. Um, and they're going to have Ryu coming back, but <clears throat> Kazmir is just meh. Um, and they're, they're going to, they don't have a, a potent enough lineup like the Giants do to, uh, supplant some bad outings by a stripling or Kazmir. Whereas, um, you know, the Giants, if they do get a so-so start out of PV or Kane, um, they have the offensive prowess to stay in games and score five or six runs, whereas I think the Dodgers, um, once you once you get past the three four number in terms of total runs, um, you're not going to see too many times where the Dodgers go out and score six to eight runs like you see um, the Giants or the Cubbies do uh, with their offensive prowess. They may have a good pitching staff, but their lineup is just. Uh, they can't put it all together. They just got some old guys, and Gonzalez is Mr. Consistent. Chase Utley, who's been hitting okay out of that lead-up spot, but nothing special. Corey Sear is a nice young player, but um, he's not a guy that is going to carry a lineup. Uh, and then the, the bottom half of the lineup's just awful. They got nothing there. Tweed's awful. Brandall has not been hitting. Uh, Jack Peterson can only hit righties sometimes. Uh, they're just not not a good team right now. No, not at all. And I'm really not impressed by the Dodgers. I think this is the Giants' division to win. And I think you should look out for the D-backs because I really do think that they um, they're a better team than they've been so far this year. And they've been they've been very very inconsistent. The D-backs they'll win five, lose four, uh, win four, lose three. You know, like they've just they, they haven't been able to play consistently good or bad. <laughs> it's been consistent right. in the sense that they'll, they'll win a bunch in a row and they'll lose a bunch in a row. They haven't been yeah, able to, um, to really do... And what if they get Pollock back, you know? They'll yes, exactly. In the running. To watch. I, would not, I, mean, I wouldn't count the Dodgers out either, don't get me wrong. Um, especially because the, the National League itself is, is very top-heavy and bottom-heavy. Like, there's the good teams and there's the bad teams. Unlike the American League, right. although the Twins coughed a terrible start, everyone in the American League entering the year had a chance to make the postseason. Even a team right. like uh, like uh, Oakland or Tampa, they all you know, fifteen teams have a chance at the postseason. Uh, yeah. There's only about seven or eight that you think are really going to do it, but all fifteen teams have a chance. Um, and realistically, Certainly. most of the teams still do. You look at the AL; there's eleven or twelve teams right now that could all still be playoff teams. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, I'd probably say no on the A's, no on the Angels, no on the Twins. That's about it. Right, yeah, I I would have to agree wholeheartedly there that I think aside from those three teams, you look at everybody else and you can make a case for uh, every other team there. Even a team like Houston, who finds themselves in fifth place, I believe, in their division. Yeah. We know how good that lineup is, and if they get – you know what? Let's talk about Texas and Houston. Yeah, actually, um, we're already already on the subject of the West anyway. With Houston, I mean, what are you seeing? Because for me, I'm seeing an offense that's underachieving. Although they haven't been bad, they are underachieving. Then I'm seeing a pitching staff who just is, is just atrocious. Like Dallas Keuchel has already given up more runs in 2016. It's not even the end of May that he did all of last year in 2015 while yeah, winning the side of the war. I mean, his ERA is eight. I mean, like, you can't have two polar opposite um, seasons. Like, you can't have more polar opposite seasons than you've had from Keiko. And I was going on about this yesterday because, like, if, if anyone wants to blame, it's, it's got to be him. Like, if you're going to blame anyone for, for the lack of success Houston's had this year, it's going to fall on Keiko. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, I I think this team at any time with with 
the power in their lineups win nine out of ten games uh, come summertime um, when maybe some of their guys start hitting. You, you add that into, you know, Altuve and Springer, who have been really good. Um, but, yeah, you know, Keiko has really, really regressed here. Um, people thought he would regress, but not to this effect. I mean, like, the number or uh, the statement you just said is just absolutely baffling that he already given up more runs than he did last year. Um, I mean, Zach, and, Zach, it's one yeah. thing if he regresses and his ERA is like 3.75 instead of a sub-3 or whatever it was. But, right. you know, if ERA goes up all, all, like, you know, three-quarters of a run, even a full run, fine. His ERA's gone up like 20 runs. Yeah. It's it's just absolutely mind-boggling. And, um, you know, Fister and Fires, uh, they have pitched okay this year, but those are number three, number four type guys in the rotation. That's how they're supposed to pitch. Um, when you have your ace and Keiko go out there and just absolutely get clobbered for five or six runs every outing, uh, it really um, lets the wind out of the whole team sail. Um, at that time, you know, your, your lineups, um, and, you know, other teams, when they have their guys, Sale or Kershaw going out, Scherzer up out on the mound, it gives the team, like, an extra little energy boost because they know their guys going to go out there and dominate the other team and kind of lets um, your lineup kind of relax a bit and um, see the ball better. I, I, it's just something uh, – uh, in the head of a baseball player. And I know um, playing at somewhat of a high level myself that when you have your good guy, your best guy going on the mound, it lets you relax at the plate a little bit. And um, when your guy goes out and gives five, six runs, then it starts putting pressure. And I think we're seeing that in Houston. Um, Some of their guys are just, you know, not hitting like we saw last year. Um, Carlos Correa is a young superstar, but he's gotten off to a slow start. Um, but that's going to happen with young players. Springer um, has been hitting well for power. Uh, Altuve, I mean, yeah, the guy has probably been the best player in baseball thus far, hitting for power at 5-6. Um, so, I don't know, do you think Pyho can turn this around? Um, I I have a tough time seeing a, a huge turnaround here Um I think he, he can return to form somewhat, but it's just I, I don't think through this many starts and how bad he's been, I don't think there's a huge turnaround coming. Honestly, Zach, I didn't see why he was so good last year. It didn't make any sense to me. But yes, right. I'm extremely shocked by it, by the fact that he's been so terrible this year after such a good season last year. Uh, I don't think anyone can say they thought he would be this bad. And if they are, they're probably lying. But um, it's – I don't see him being able to turn it around. No, I, was, I didn't really understand it last year or even right. the second half of the year before. Um, before right. It's not like, he, you know, like it's not like he's got that explosive put-away stuff. He no, he doesn't miss that. Yeah, he pitches to contact. And, I mean, it was only a matter of time, I think, before people really figured it out. But, again, I still thought he'd be pretty good, just not Cy Young worthy. Um, and then with the rest of this rotation, though, I mean, they, they had big hopes for McHugh, and I thought District could do some good things. I mean, Scott Salton, I don't even know if he's still in the rotation, but he's not rotation worthy at all. Um, right. And, yeah, they have the colors back now, right? So hopefully they can yeah. now turn some things around. And I think like this is the type of team that their offense, they can ride their offense to win seven of eight or eight, eight, eight of nine or something like that. And that's the kind of thing they need to get back in it. And it brings me to – are really our final matchup we're going to talk about, and that's the Yankees and the A's. And that's a perfect example because Yankees and Astros met in the wild card game last year, both playoff caliber teams, both got off to atrocious starts. The Yanks were, I believe, nine games under 500 16 days ago. Nine games under 500. They're now only one game under 500. They've right. gone 11 and 4 or 12 and 4 or something in their last 15, 16 games. 
they're right back in. They're right back in everything. Uh, and they, you know, they haven't even been getting great starting pitching still. Um, the offense hasn't even really heated up that much, and yet they're still kind of hanging around. And they swept the A's in Oakland, big, big four-game sweep. Anytime you can win four games against any professional team, it's good. Uh, they also got swept in New York by Oakland a couple weeks ago. Yeah, three games set. So definitely needed some revenge, so to speak. This week they match up against the Blue Jays. Um, and big series, again, very similar to the Indians and the White Sox matching up. Um, the Jays and the Yankees going into the year were two teams that were expected to contend with the Red Sox atop this division. And so far they both have a lot of flaws. Uh, Yankees don't have the starting pitching the Blue Jays' offense has been slumping. Their starting pitching is even possibly worse than the Yankees, maybe not by the numbers, but uh, overall I like the Yankees' rotation more than the Blue Jays. And the Jays' bullpen, really, outside of Osuna, is really not that great either. Um, and the Blue Jays will actually find themselves in last place now after um, the Yankees' four-game sweep. So what are your thoughts on – I guess, do you have any thoughts on Oakland and how terrible they looked against the Yankees this past weekend? And do you have thoughts on the Yankees and Jays this week as well? Yeah, I I mean, we shouldn't really waste too much time talking about the A's because, as we both agreed, it's probably a team um, maybe out of three in the AL that really don't have a shot at making it to the postseason. So They're also um, the team that's most likely to sell at the deadline, too. They have right. a number of people um, that don't make sense for them in the future, whereas the Twins. The Twins aren't going aren't gonna to start trading Sano and Danny Santana right. and Tyler Duffy yeah. and some of these young players, you know? Um, uh, but a team think, like Oakland will. Yeah, Oakland definitely could. And I think we talked about that a little last week with Rich Hill and um, – some of their batters, maybe uh, the guy Valencia, that got nothing in Valencia. Valencia. Yeah. Um, so Lowry. just with the, with the New York-Oakland series, uh, it's just cool. Spathia got his 100th win as a Yankee, um, eighth player in the dead ball era to win, uh, get 100 wins on two different teams as he has 106 victories with the Indians. Um, now looking forward with the Yanks and the Blue Jays, I also would have to agree and say that I like uh, the Yankee staff better than the Blue Jays. Um, when all of a sudden done as a whole, uh, I do like Aaron Sanchez and how he's been pitching this year. Um, but I've talked about on our show and some of the major league fantasy sports baseball shows um, that I'm not a fan of Marcus Stroman, uh, nor am I a fan of Luis Severino, but I think, the Blue Jays have more invested um, in Stroman being their top pitcher than the Yankees do as Severino being their top pitcher. So I think the Blue Jays um, have more eggs in, in one basket there and have been sort of let down. Um, what also, What's also funny that I kind of see going on in Toronto right now is they're really trying to figure out their uh, – winning formula. If you look at their lineup right now, they have Michael Saunders batting cleanup and Joey Bats leading off. Now, isn't that kind of crazy? Uh, they're really trying to figure out their winning formula because that seems backwards. But they, they're, they're trying to get it something going It certainly does here. seem backwards. It certainly does seem backwards and it almost reminds me a little bit of Carlos Santana batting leadoff for the Indians against the Red Sox this weekend. Right. Kind of okay. crazy. That makes a little sense only in the sense that Kyle Santana has the best uh, on base percentage for the Indians, um, whereas I don't think that's true for Joey Bats. Um, but it, they're just trying to get something going here. Um, actually, I, remember... I think it is. I actually think it is. He walks a really? lot, Joey Bats. Right, yeah. true. Uh, he really walks but a I, lot, so he probably is one I of the remember... on base percentage. I remember Francona at the beginning of the season because, like I said, I covered the Central Division, so I was doing, you know, copious amount of research on these things. Um, and prior to the season, that was one of the things the Indians explored was Carlos Santana batting leadoff because of his on-base percentage. Um, and, you know, he's not the typical leadoff hitter, a guy with uh, contact and speed, but 
I'm a guy that just simply got on base, and that's what you need out of a leadoff hitter. But it's just it's funny too um, that you know it's Saunders that's cleaning up right now. Yeah, that's that's wild, Zach. And uh, that I wanted to share with you that Lenny shared with Corey and I yesterday on the uh, Sunday show. And Lenny being Lenny Malnick, of course. Uh, there's 14 teams in Major League Baseball, so 14 of the 30 teams right now who do not employ a prototypical leadoff hitter. Um, that's pretty crazy. If you go through all the teams, yeah. and I mean, and I mean, one of the examples is like Curtis Granderson, and yeah, he's been good in the leadoff spot, but he's not your prototypical leadoff guy. Right. By all means, Definitely. that's that's not the uh, that's not the guy you expect to be leading off for you. Um, so it's a, that's very interesting what the Jays are doing. But to this series specifically, R. A. Dickey, I believe, pitches in Mon- sorry Tuesday or Wednesday, which is Game One and Two. Um, that I like for the Blue Jays. The Yankees do not hit R. A. Dickey well at all. Um, I also am a little worried about Sabathia going up against the Blue Jays. Good as Sabathia starts surrounding his um, his DL stint, he's a left-handed pitcher who does not throw hard, and the Blue Jays hammer lefties, especially guys yeah. who don't throw hard. This isn't like it's like Chris Sale going up against the Blue Jays. CC throws 88, 80, 89 max with that fastball now, and... I don't know. I think it's I think it's going to be a disaster start versus Bath. Yeah, I like the Nova matchup. I like Nova versus Blue Jays. I don't mind Evaldi versus Blue Jays this week, but I do not love the start versus R.A. Dickey, and I do not like Sebastian going up against them. If you had to choose right now, though, if you would take a team to take two or three in this series, it's in New York. Who would you take and why? I'm going to go with the Yankees. Um and it's simply because the Blue Jays, uh, you know, although, like you said, crush lefty, so I think they can get that one against Sabathia. Um, but the other two, I, I, the Blue Jays lineup is just not hitting whatsoever. They're not scoring the runs they did last year, and their pitching staff has n- no bona fide ace, um, and they're not even getting their uh, quote-unquote ace to pitch in this series And Marcus Stroman. Um, they'll get Sanchez in the third game against Sabathia, but I think that's kind of almost uh, a waste in a sense because I think that's their easiest pitching matchup, um, and they can do away with uh, throwing out, you know, maybe their fifth fifth starter in that game and still get a W. But um, uh, the Yankees have been playing hot as of late, and the Blue Jays have not been playing. And I I tend to go with teams that – you know, are on a roll versus uh, and uh, you know past numbers or or streaks, if you will. Uh, I tend to go with you know the present and not so much um, in the past when it comes to a whole team. Maybe when I'm looking at a player, um, I'll, I'll base it more on the past and not so much in the present. But when I look at it as a team as a whole, I look at you know what's been happening as of late. And the Yankees have been streaking, and the Blue Jays have been slumping. Absolutely, man. And, uh, you know, uh, by the same token, though, you know, the Blue Jays back to come alive in a hitter-friendly park in New York against the uh, rotation that really has not lived up to expectations so far, and uh, that being the Yankees. Yeah. And by that same token, though, maybe the Yankees' rotation just... starts to pitch well. Uh, and if they right. do, and they're going to be a tough team to beat because of that back end of that bullpen. And their lineup really yeah. hasn't even really gotten it going yet either. I mean, Ellsbury and Gardner picking up a little bit. Beltron's been great since A-Rod's been out. And I was joking yesterday, the best thing for the Yankees would be to just leave A-Rod deactivated all season long, throw Beltron in as DH. He's, honestly, Beltron could be the second best DH in the American League behind Big Poppy. No joke. Yeah. If you look at his numbers since he's been full-time DH, they're amazing. Like, very, very good. Like, all-star like Carlos Beltran of old. Um, old, yeah, right. It, yeah, so it's pretty it's pretty wild, man. But uh, I could talk about the Yanks all day, so I should probably stop. And we're running out of time anyway, so let's uh, let's wrap this thing up. And uh, anything wrap you want to up. say, Zach, before, uh, before we do take off? No, it was a great show, as always. And although, you know, I do hate the Yankees uh, – 
it's nice to see Chapman back. He's already had six saves, um, so he's just racking up saves uh, quickly here. So that's good for for your Yanks. Um, I'm excited to watch the rest of the NBA series and uh, definitely be keeping a close eye on that and uh, be searching where I can find the cheapest uh, authentic OKC jersey. So I'll be doing that um, while watching, and uh, I'll talk to you next week, bud, from the best in the West to the beast in the East. This is Sports Buffet Radio. Yeah, man, and... uh... You should really get on that because I really do think OKC is going to win it all. Uh-huh. Um, let's thank our partners at R&B Music and Major League Fantasy Sports. You can ch- tune in to the Major League Fantasy Sports baseball show every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern to 9 p.m. Eastern. You can tune in to the Major League Fantasy Baseball weekly show every Thursday night from 8 to 10. Thanks to everyone who contributed to the show here today on behalf of Zach and myself. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Lou Landers. We'll be back next week on Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sports Talk on the Sports Buffet Radio Network says goodnight. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.